so between Dave's uh, flu and my strep throat slash allergic reaction to um, antibiotics, I mean, we're having quite the week. Ferber, you better watch out. Yeah, got to keep my head on a swivel for sure. Keep your head on a swivel. If you got a spare bubble, just kind of hop in that, you know. Don't try to yeah. leave your house much, you know. Hunker down. <laughs> you never know. These things come in threes. <laughs> uh, kind of like Virginia Tech's offense, am I right? Um, uh, that's a good one. That's a good that was one. good. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Thursday, January the 18th. Cavaliers coming off of a very good win over Virginia Tech last night. We are here to discuss it and so much more. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. For tonight, at least, everybody is one Justin Ferber, editor-in-chief there in Charlottesville. How's it going, my dude? Not too bad. We're going to do a little uh, two-man game here tonight, I guess. Yep. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner, also Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Dave is not with us this evening. He has not quit the show. Don't start any rumors. Um, <laughs> why did I say it like that? That was funny. Uh, he, he's, he's got a bad flu, apparently. Um, that's what they always day. say, like, right before the dude does quit the show. That's true. It's like, yeah, there's nothing true. going on. There's nothing going know? on. Everything, everything's fine. But no, he, uh, he said today he would, he would trade it for COVID in a heartbeat. And I was like, bro, the strep throat and the allergic reaction thereafter would totally have traded those for two COVIDs and a player to be named later. Um, he hopefully will be back with us next week when, you know, maybe we'll be talking about another Virginia win and maybe even one away from the friendly confines of John Paul Jones arena. Cavaliers last night, I mean, I think it's safe to say this was a must-win in, a, like, every front, right? Not just because, you know, you got a 20-game winning streak at home, the longest one in the nation, and all that fun stuff, but, like, they desperately needed something good to happen after what has happened to them on the road. Um, and Tech is not exactly terrible. Like, Tech is – I feel like Tech the last two seasons have been more talented than what they've put out on the floor. Um, last night, 65-57 – um, Brees Beekman, 16 points, four boards, four assists. Um, nice little, he had a nice night from three, two or three from, from behind the arc, which is something that has not necessarily been huge on, on the radar for him this season. Um, uh, Virginia shook up the, uh, starting lineup, put Jordan Miner in there. Um, game four last, that part didn't necessarily help, um, down in Raleigh, but, um, you know, it was nice to see not just him play 26 minutes last night, but to score 16 points. He was 5 of 8 from the field, 6 of 8 from the free throw line, had five boards, had a couple of assists himself. Overall, not a great shooting night. Cavaliers were 46% from the floor, 29% from three. The difference, you know, in terms of the three-pointers, Tech made 11, Virginia only made four. That was probably why this thing was even as close as it was, because it felt like Virginia dominated this thing. Cavaliers led by as many as 13. Um, they uh, out-rebounded Tech by one. Um, even though they forced 15 turnovers, they only scored six points off of them, which I do think is a problem, but they had 36 points in the paint. So I thought what I saw last night, Ferber, and I'm curious to get your point of view. What I saw last night is Virginia kind of playing more to its strengths as opposed to maybe its aspirations. Um Obviously, with uh, and we're going to talk about Dante Harris and his return here in a hot second. But with Minor playing and playing well, um, giving him something in the middle, um, giving him something on the glass, and then Harris's contributions in 17 really important minutes, I, I just thought that this Virginia team looked more like the one I think maybe Tony Bennett was hoping to have. Um, now, granted, we when we've seen Jordan Minor to this point in the season, it had not it had not gone well for the for the young fellow, right? Like it just was not it was not going well. And to see him not just in the moment and being able to contribute, but to look all so, and he looked night and day comfortable um, in terms of his comfort level, right? Um, in terms of minor, 
do you attribute last night's win more to kind of him giving them some stability? Is it more about, um, you know, some other tweaks that you saw? What, what were some of your takeaways from the, uh, the win over the Hokies? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, to be determined, I think, uh, just because, you know, it's small sample size. But, um, I mean, it was definitely encouraging, and, and I thought he did a lot of good things. And, and you're right. I mean, I don't think um, – I mean, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, but, like, I don't necessarily think, like, oh, man, they should have been playing him way more earlier because, like, when right. he did play earlier, he didn't look like a guy that he was, just like, didn't. ready to go. No. no, he didn't. And Tony attributed that last night to the fact that – and I maybe didn't even realize this, like how much zone he played at Merrimack and how like how big of a transition that ended up being for him. But I mean, he definitely gave him a lift. I mean, Tech has a comp and big man in Lynn Kidd and Mike Young after the game basically was like their guys pushed our guy around like and if Miner doesn't play, that's not possible. So, um, yeah, I mean, he looked like kind of what I mean, to be honest, what we thought we were gonna see yeah like that's before, exactly when yeah, they caught a, him it was like so well not a, yeah not a guy that was gonna like you know he, he's not gonna be hunter dickinson or anything that's exactly like, what i was thinking <laughs> but he's you know he's gonna be a guy that can you know make a layup get a rebound get a big stop for you you know he can he can do some stuff around the rim maybe get you a few second chance points here and there um and that's kind of what i saw and to be honest with you like i kind of think he left some points on the table um yeah Right. He had a he had a few early in the game, like just couldn't control the the catch or like missed a couple layups, and then he wasn't the only one that missed layups. But um, honestly, like that all that was all very encouraging to me. Um, and he looked like a guy that offensively definitely fit. And Dave kind of mentioned last week. I think it was a really good point about them just not being able to screen. And last night it felt like they were like, we're just going to screen. We're going to play some of the bigger guys. We're just going to try to get back to the basics. Um, and, you know, try to run our guys off of these screens. And um, I don't think they had a ton of success creating open shots for their guards off of that, but it did allow them to dive into the post and stuff. And Yeah, it created um, space, even though it did create – it might not have created looks, but it created space. And even though looks are great, space is also good. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it did kind of create a little bit of a issue for Tech where, like, UVA got a few easy layups early in dunks because, like, they weren't guarding the dive into the post because UVA doesn't really do that without minor. Like, you know, they just haven't been – they haven't had the guys on the court to, to run those actions, and um, it kind of burned them early. Then they adjusted to it, and I felt like UVA kind of was able to take advantage of that a little bit um, and get Reese into the paint. And, um, you know, obviously they didn't make a lot of – I think what they make four threes last night. Yeah, they were four um, for fourteen, and and McNeely did have a couple of long twos. Um, but I mean, really, those shots just weren't there. Um, you know, Groves got a few good looks in the corner, but they just really weren't there. Um, and and credit to Tech. I mean, their guards are really quick, and I think they did a good job of chasing on the screens. Um, but yeah, I think Miner was really important. I mean, I, they don't win the game without him last night for sure. And the only thing that gives me a little hesitation is UVA did try this against Wake Forest. I mean, they started him, and we didn't see the results. Um, so we'll see what happens in this next game and beyond. But it certainly gives them more flexibility and ability to kind of like guard. T- you know, they play NC State next week. Like maybe they'll have a better plan. You know, with Miner because they didn't really need to double the post last last night, and and I think that they're really not going to be able to get away with doing that a whole lot against some of these other bigs they are going to play. Yeah. I would like to uh, edit myself from a couple minutes ago. I said in Raleigh last Saturday, and I obviously meant Winston-Salem. Um, yeah. And then that, and that's a different matchup too, because you know, with, with the Reed kid, you know, Efton is, is just a dare. It's just a different big, right. Than what kid is. And, and he's just going to make a lot of guys. I mean, is. I knew that was the thing when minor was starting. I was like, he's probably going to make minor look silly a couple of times. Cause that's what he does to everybody. Yeah. Um, but so at the like, end of the day, like minor scored nine Reed scored nine. Now his rebounds were good. He had eight boards. Reed did, but minor had five. He played 22 minutes. You know, I don't think that he can do what he did last night without those minutes that he played last week. Um, I think it's hard to explain to folks like when you when when guys don't play for an extended period of time, it's hard for them to just all of a sudden just start going back to doing that, right? Like when you're not playing with regularity, right? When you're not in the flow of it, it's really hard to just kind of come in and do it. And in some ways, the fact that he was able to have the two games that he's had in this sort of renaissance and reemergence, if you will, um, is a really good sign for things to come because he's only at this point the comfort piece is, is clearly clicking into place for him right and 
the trust that Tony has in him is 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 obviously growing, right? Well, he's only physically, mentally, um, all of that stuff is is only going to get better the more he plays. So every minute he plays is is kind of like an investment, sort of in sort of where he where he can go and if he can scratch, you know, the hot top, the top end of his potential. My favorite play that he had last night was he had this one in the lane where he like put his whole like he put his whole soul into that boy's chest. Well, and right. it was right after he had stopped him on the other yes. end. Yes, and it was such a great, like, um, it, it was such a great sequence for the kid, right? Now, I can't imagine, like, what all this is doing for his confidence, right? Um, Tony and, and staff would always talk about gaps, right? And the, and the idea behind a gap is you get a stop, you score, and you get another stop, right? The idea is, is that you, you've put, you've essentially, you've scored and kept them from scoring in a way that, you know, keeps builds that gap in terms of the scoreboard right and for him to do that a little bit on his own i thought was a great sign like i said he put his it whole felt like soul they had a few gaps last night where they like did Tech would get it to five and then uva would push it back out would push it 11. back up and i and i and honestly like the fight was the i mean because and i don't know what's going on with them on the road because they look they just do they look like a very different team that being said i i don't want to i don't want to take what we saw last night and go too far down the expectation roadway um i don't want to round you know, jumps the expectation corner here, right? Because what I saw last night, okay, that's the team that you're supposed to be, right? You're bringing Rody off the bench. You're bringing Groves off the bench. They're, I mean, like, Groves was exactly, like, what he did last night is exactly what UVA needs him to do. He played 15 minutes, gave him some pick-and-pop action. He had a couple of threes, had a few boards. You know, it was perfect. I thought um, Rody, even though he played 25 minutes and didn't score, um, he, st- he had a couple times there where it was like, he, 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 he like muscled for a rebound, that kind of thing. But like the team that they really need to be is, is the five of what Reese, uh, Reese Harris, McNeely Dunn, and minor, right? I thought minor, and this is probably a little underrated, but Buchanan scores eight points in eleven minutes. He goes four or five yeah, from the field. Late, a lot, a lot of points late in the game too. He did a nice um, job of kind of being who he is instead of having to be who he's not. Like he's not ready to be the guy who starts yet. He's not ready to be the guy who kind of gives you twenty minutes, whatever. But what he can give you is a is a is a nice pop here and there. And I think Miner's improvement has allowed Buchanan to settle into what might be his role on this team. And I think that's a really good sign. Um, I I think that what I saw last night was a team that felt like it was, it had kind of gotten its stuff together a little bit. Now we've, we've seen them do this, right? Where they play pretty well at home and then they go on the road and they just get their heads beat in. So the question of what happens in, in Atlanta um, this weekend still remains to be seen. Harris comes back. I got to be honest. I did not expect his first action back to look as good as that looked. Now he plays 17 minutes, scores five points. He's two of five from the floor. He missed both of the three point uh, shots he took. He was one of three from the line. Had a couple boards, five assists, a team high five assists at that. He had that one blow by. I thought that was really nice. Um, but he had a I, nice I mean, jumper too. Like we, the, the kid hasn't played since November the 22nd, right? And like I know that doesn't feel like, but that's basically two months ago. Now, obviously he came back and practiced some before that. Um, you know, he, it wasn't like he 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 hasn't been on the floor on, before last night. Um, what I thought was super interesting was that like he apparently was close enough that they they were pra- he wasn't warming up in the practice gym, right? He was out there for you guys to see him um, out on the main floor, which is which is a clear indication he's going to play. Anybody who's typically close, they work them out in the other gym um, to kind of feel things through so the coaches can kind of be a little more hands-on without everybody seeing that, right? Um, I was really impressed with the fact that he was able to play, what he, the way he was able to play, um, having been out for so long, to give him the minutes that he gave him. I thought he looked under control. He didn't look like he was um, pressing at all. Which I think I genuinely think you could probably chalk up a good bit of what we've seen from this team on the road lately, to just being out of sorts and and pressing at different times, different guys. You know, like I, it just feels like sometimes the dudes are just trying to. Like, I think that's where all the the mid range jumpers and such came from. Is guys just kind of panic and they they see an open shot and so they just take it. Um, but I was really impressed with Harris last night. What did you What did you come away thinking? 
Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see him back out there. Um, and, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, you don't really know what to expect from a guy in their first game back. And even, like, you know, Tony said after the game, like, the two practices before the the game, Monday and Tuesday, he practiced, like, a quarter of a practice and then half of the practice. So the fact that he was able to kind of, like, go out there and do it, you know, again, a big, big game against some good guards. I mean, and I think that's where they really were able to use him in this game is, like, you know, one, you kind of get Reese a little bit of not a breather, maybe, but you know, let take a little bit of the pressure off him from a guarding standpoint. Right. Um, and Tech has uh, three different guys, I guess you would say, that can really beat you in yeah. the, like running around and you know can make plays. And um, Harris was able to sort of do a, a decent job of kind of filling in there. And and he, I think, Padula got the better of him once, and then he kind of got it back later in the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought his contributions were big. You mentioned the assists. I mean, he had a few really big passes, and he just kind of looked like he was kind of in control of the game. And one thing that Tony mentioned afterwards, and and I kind of thought the same was like his edge, you know, competitiveness. I thought was big. Um, and maybe that's something that can help them on the road because you have to take those things on the road and play when you don't have the crowd behind you. And maybe he'll be able to kind of help them in that way um, and give them a lift, but. Yeah, it was obviously his on-ball defense is solid, and I think he'll get better as as he gets healthier and and more game time. Um, and then you know he can he can kind of run the show. I don't know that you can expect him to contribute a ton on the offensive end in terms of points. Um, right. We just haven't seen him do that yet. Um, but I mean, I know that you know he's a capable player that can get in there and kind of be himself and find guys and. He, he also seems like a guy that kind of understands who he is and he's not right. trying to do too much, which is something that I was a little worried about because of Georgetown, mm-hmm. he kind of did have to do that. Right. Um, and, but I haven't, since he's been here, like, I mean, the, the thing I kind of like about him though, is that like, they've had a few shot clock situations where he's had the ball late in the shot clock and he, ha- he didn't make, uh, there was at least one or two shots in this game that he didn't make, but he took them. He wasn't like, all right, I don't know what to do. They were like seven seconds on the shot clock, and he was like, "Well, I'm not gonna just like dribble around. I'm just gonna shoot." <laughs> like, um, and he got decent looks on those two. So, like, I think, you know, it's good to have him back, and it helps with depth. And, um, you know, I think some of the issues they've had on the road and and at home, but mostly on the road, is like losing guys off screens and not being able to stick with quick guards. And I think that you know having another guy that can do that is is gonna be big for them. I feel like one thing with him, and 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 I think some people, you know, may have like seen this when before he got hurt. It was like I think it, you're you're probably right that he was used to playing on the when he was on the court. He's used to being a guy who is is creating a lot, right? And he, I, I think that he got a little sped up at times. Um, yeah, and I'm you know anybody who's listening to this podcast for any period of time understands like we're never going to fault guys for trying to make plays. It's just a question of whether that's the play you should be trying to make, right? Um, and I didn't – it's not like I watched him and thought, man, you know, he needs to calm down. It's more like I, I really hope he figures out where he fits because as we've, as we've seen over the years from Tony's teams, like the best teams are the teams where guys understand not just who they are but who they're not. And what I saw last night was a guy who may be watching for a good bit of time on top of you know his redshirt year. I mean, I just think it's different when when you're trying to play, you're trying to get back in the game. Um, you know, he saw plenty sitting there, right? I do think that the, you know, maybe they're not creating open shots for shooters, but they are creating space. And I'm wondering if he's not going to be a beneficiary of some of that space. Um, again, I'm not trying to jump to conclusions here, and I'm certainly after, you know, earlier in the season, kind of having let my um, let my uh, stomach get a little bit too big for my eyes or whatever the saying is. Um, I, I think maybe I, 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 I overestimated a couple of things and underestimated um, some others. This team is not going to be able to shoot the ball the way that let's call it the, the former approach would have required for them to be successful. Right. I think they can be successful with this group. If, Harris is able to to sort of be consistently who he was last night, which is not listen. The bar here is pretty low, right? We're not asking we're not asking the guy to go out there and score twenty five, right? You're asking him to play solid defense. You're asking him to be a good, um, 
you know, guy with the ball in his hands, make good decisions. You know, neither of the threes that he missed I thought were bad takes. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like he was, you know, he didn't take any shots and you go, man, what was that? Um, and then I also think that, you know, minor is, is such an important piece of the puzzle because even, even though you're, you know, to, to Ferber's point earlier, right? Like, they're not creating these shots for dudes coming, you know, flying off screens and stuff. The screens are still be able to create space. And that was the biggest problem, especially when Dunn's on the floor, right? When Dunn's on the floor, their, their offense can sometimes be really limited and they can get kind of sticky. Um, I thought the ball moved really well last night. I thought guys had, were much more decisive. I thought everybody looked like they were playing with more confidence. We've talked before, you know, I mentioned earlier the fight, right? They've been good about fighting at home. Um, we need to see him, you know, do that on the road. But I, I, I really thought that, you know, Tech made some, some put them in some spots where they could have easily gotten really into the danger zone, and they never really got there, right? Tech got it close a couple times, and then UVA, as you said, kind of pushed the thing. Whenever back they out. got there, you know, UVA, UVA made a play, um, or got a stop, or whatever yeah. they needed to do. Um, and I, I think I that wanna... part of that is Tech is so one dimensional. Like... Yes, they're yeah, and that's problematic, right? You know, anybody who, for those of us who, who had to watch the game from afar, right, you know, Seth Greenberg is up here talking about how Mike Young is a savant and all this stuff. And I'm not saying that Mike, Mike Young's not a talented coach with a lot of offensive chops. He is. But I'm sorry. You should be able to do a little bit more with that lineup than they're doing. Granted, they got a lot of green pieces. But between Couture and Padula, um, you know, you've got two really talented guards. The nickel kid is clearly coming along in terms of his shot. Um, you know, I, I thought, you know, the Baron kid gives them somebody who stretches, right? Um, and the Collins kid is pretty good too. Um, they should be better than that. You know what I mean? Like, they should be better than 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 what we saw last night. 39% from the floor, 37% from three. Like, that's not who that team should be. Um now, granted, they still hit 11 threes, but that's because yeah. I mean, that was 30. basically their whole offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, they made 21 field goals. 11 of them were threes. To put that in context, Virginia made 25 field goals, and only four of them were threes. Right. Um, and at that, one point, I was—I mean, like when Tech was kind of closing the gap, I was kind of highlighting that. I was like looking at the discrepancy. I was like, if Tech wins this game, it's because they made 15 threes. You know, and like that's just hard to combat it if you're, you know, even if you play well. Yeah. Um, but and, and I think Tech does a really good job of. Um, getting guys open without having to screen. Like yeah. they have some good action that kind of like got guys will like pop in and out and then they get space that way and things like that. And, um, and that's great. But I think you just have to like, you know, uh, even UVA has seen this. I mean, like you kind of seeing it now, it's like when the threes aren't hitting, you got to have a plan B. Um, and, and I think like their big man, I, I was kind of concerned about that going into this game and, it's part of the reason I thought Tech might win is because I was like, if UVA doesn't have a if, – if Tech's hitting shots and then they also are able to kind of have, you know, their way down low, like what – how are you going to beat them, you know? Yeah. Um, but that just didn't didn't happen. And they ended up playing the Poteet kid more um, down the stretch, um, I felt like, than kid anyway. Yeah. But um, – well. You know, it was a good effort. I mean, I think that UVA just like like you said, this is kind of who they're going to have to be for better or worse, even if they maybe lower their ceiling a little bit. But yeah. it gives them a little bit better of a puncher's chance against like a, I mean, even Georgia Tech or whoever they're playing. Um, it's like a little bit more stability, I think, right. um, rather than like the volatility of like we have to hit fourteen threes every game. So as of yet, um, you know, McNeely's shooting forty seven percent from three. Next highest on the team is Groves at 42.6. Right now, it's Reese is at 31%, and Rhodey is at 25.8, right? Um, you know, Tane Murray's at 44.4, but, I mean, he only <laughs> shot 18 of them, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Leon yeah. Bond's at 50%. He's only shot two. Um, well, the funny thing is, like, I was thinking about this, and maybe it's a column down the road, but it's like how many Tony has tried so many different things. I'm, and I mean this is complimentary way. Like, he's tried so many different things already. Like a few games ago, Tane Murray was like at the podium in the post game because he was like the second leading scorer, and like then tonight or last night he like didn't even play, um, or he played like two minutes or something. Um, which, and then you know, was like Leon Bond is like out of the rotation now, 
but was like playing a lot earlier and like you know they at one point Gertrude was playing more and now he didn't even play last night and so it's like I think they're just kind of trying to figure out it's pretty clear that they're still kind of trying to figure it out because even like Saturday against Wake they had like Groves running off screens and stuff and I was like I don't think this is gonna and then you know like on Wednesday night they didn't really do a lot of that so so kind of where I was thinking about it with it is is when you look at you could you could say okay in a perfect world Beekman is improved, so let's say he's in the 40s. Uh, McNeely is where he is. He's in the high 40s, and maybe Rhodey is in, like, the mid-30s, right? That plus Groves being in the 40s, that's a really good shooting team. And, yeah, you can do a lot with a four-out sort of concept and all this stuff. That's just not the way the cookie crumbled. And, listen, I'm not saying that UVA should, like, stop trying to have stretch fours and guys who shoot, but, like, clearly the thing works best when you have – a big that can set some screens and another lanky sort of athletic guy to go with him. Um, I don't think Dunn, I mean, Dunn at this point, he's shooting 21.7% from three. He's five of 23 on the year. He's only shooting 63.7% from, from two. And I make that joke because like all of his stuff is like basically dunks. That's good, right? Like if that's, that's who he's going to be, then that's what they should continue to do. Trying to create space, you know, would love to see them finishing more. I mean, they still they still struggle with the um, with the you know the zero degree difficulty shots in a way that just boggles the mind. Um, but I I do think that, free throws. <laughs> yeah, um, I do think that what we saw last night is essentially like you know you mentioned potential. I don't know if they're actually sort of lowering the ceiling as much as they're making sure that the floor stays where it is, right? Because that other lineup I just talked about, like Rhodey is just not shooting it well, right? Groves is not consistent enough to get the looks and to 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 kind of shoot it, it continue shooting at the clip he shoots. Um, Beekman has not taken that step forward from three. I think that a lot of folks were hoping. So if you're not going to be able to make your hay there, you got to make your hay somewhere. And I think if you if you can create that inside game, at least get the ball in the paint, move it around, makes decisive decisions and create that space i think that that is the blueprint for this team to be successful like what we saw last night like there are going to be some matchups where just Einer by himself is not going to be enough right they're going to need more from the inside i mean um, he also picked up three fouls in like two minutes <laughs> last night and luckily it came like later in the game <laughs> right i had zero and then all of a sudden he had three and it's like all right like that kind of shows you like he very quickly had to leave the game. And luckily, Blake Buchanan kind of gave him a lift after he they, left. He was but. really – he gave him exactly what they needed during that stretch. He was really solid. Um, he loves running the rims, right? <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think that in the, in, the, in the long term, you know, who UVA was last night is probably who they need to be. They just need to improve on that piece of it, right? To your point, like Tony's kind of tried a lot of things. And, and bo- that's both true this season and – you know, in terms of trying to get the stretch fours and, you know, figuring out the way that, um, you know, Jay Huff fit into the picture and all that fun stuff. Like over the years, like I think he's tried different things and to varying degrees of success, right? There was a time period last year where the BBP thing was really working for him. And then suddenly it just wasn't and it never got back. Um, so I think that, you know, seeing what we saw last night from Miner and from Harris, I think bodes well for, for what's to come. Homefield Apparel is back with brand new options for the Wahoos and so much more this year. With college basketball season ramping up, there has never been a better time to gear up with officially licensed apparel from Homefield. First-time customers can get 15% off their first order using the code CAVS23 at checkout. Homefield has comfortable, thoughtful selections, not just for UVA fans, but for more than 180 schools across the country. So this will make a great gift option no matter who you pull for. Homefield's plan is simple. Dig through the archives and the history of the schools to find unique logos, mascots, traditions, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your favorite school. I love what they've got from the older UVA logos and such, and the quality of the stuff I've gotten from Homefield is second to none. In fact, the hoodie with the Cavalier script across the chest is my go-to no matter what I'm doing. Homefield products are printed on high-quality garments with extreme comfort in mind. So don't miss this fall's hottest styles and the most sought-after apparel. Shop at Homefield today and wear one for the team. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code CAVS23 for 15% off your first order. Thanks to Homefield for their support of this show and all of CAVSCorner.com. Speaking of what's to come, so they get Georgia Tech Saturday in Atlanta. 
Um, Kim Palm has this right now as a one point win for the Who's 64 63. The algorithm says 53% chance of, of a win. Right now, Georgia Tech is 113th in Ken Palm. UVA is currently 67th. So think about that for a second. The 67th team, 113th team in the country, according to the, the numbers, right? One points between them, right? What does that tell you? That UVA is like woeful on the road and that all the good things that seem to go their way go the opposite direction. What I find super interesting about this is that Georgia Tech is, how do I say this kindly? Georgia Tech's not exactly a team that should, should like, scare you, right? Um, they've, they've lost five of their last six, um, though the last one, a 93-90 win over uh, Clemson and double OT in Little John, would make you think that maybe, um, you know, this, this thing can be a game. The win against Duke earlier in the season certainly helps them. Duke currently 10th in Kempom. Um, losses so far to UMass Lowell, which is not great, um, to Notre Dame, which UVA. But they beat Duke. <laughs> but they beat Duke. Um, then Duke did get them uh, the second time. Yeah, but that game was close too. But that thing was tight. Um, I'm curious to see what Stoudemire does there because, as I've said to you guys, I, I'm very curious with that NBA connection, both him being a guy that, you know, a lot of these – a lot of guys – a lot of the dudes who are going to be in the ears of these t- of recruits these days were around when Stoudemire played, and so that there's a there's some cachet that he gets. I bet from that, and then of course his NBA connections will help too. Um, let's see, the Kelly kid seems pretty talented. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I'm you know as up to speed on the rest of their roster, but I think it's a lot of new guys. I mean, yeah, it's not a lot the of the whole team. Kelly's good. The rest of the dudes are like new or freshman, which is good for them in the long run if they can keep right. those guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, like, they're kind of what you thought they would be, right? Like, not great, but um, they've kind of shown, like, when things are right, they can win some games. Like, yeah. I mean, they, they beat Clemson on the road the other night. Um, you know, that's something UVA hasn't done against anybody. Yeah. So. But one thing George Tech really does have going for them, honestly, is this is they got length, right? They're six three, six six, six seven, six seven, six nine. Now they're not super tall in the post, right? The Daldana kid um is six eleven, but really they're they're five, they're long, right? So they're gonna you you, you can put minor and, and done in the in the four five. The the threes, I mean, you know, that the the Reeves kid's six seven, two oh two. That's a pretty decent size, especially because Kelly's listed at six six. Um, and the George kid, though he's a freshman, he looks like he's got you know he's some longevity three. to him. He's six yeah. three one eighty. So even even their backup, you know, Sturdivant is six three one ninety five. Um, the Coleman kid's six six. Uh, Gapare, who is a former UVA recruit, he's six nine. So they, I think that's one thing that that does give me a little pause is that they're a little bit longer team, um, and that could present some challenges. I mean, we've seen McNeely really struggle when you put a really long guy on him. Um, and, and, you know, given what we saw last night, you know, he only took eight shots in the game. He was 0 of 2 from 3, scores 8 points. I thought Couture did a really nice job on Yeah, him. I, yeah, um, I mean, and listen, Collins. I, I thought, I thought they, you know, those two, he and Podula both, I thought, you know, they could have done more from 3. Couture was 2 of 5 from deep. Uh, Padula was 4 of 9. They took, of, uh, of Tech's 54 shots, they took 26 of them. Um, you probably, if you're Mike Young, you probably want that number to be higher. Honestly, um, you probably want that percentage to be higher. But real talk, there's like, some I mean, like this... trades here, by the way, where like if UVA and Tech could like take their rosters, oh and, like, my gosh, trade right? a few pieces, you could really yes. have something. You could really make a good team. <laughs> like if you took Beekman and um, and like Beekman and Couture, yeah, uh, Beekman and Couture would be, or even you know Padula, like that would be. Or just if you just like put, yeah, if you put like Padula or Couture on UVA's team, or Beekman on their team, or yeah. Dunn on their team, or Dunn on um, their actually, you know, or actually Dunn on their team might might, but I mean that like might you make said, a bigger difference. Yeah. yeah, but all told, I mean, you know, Tech is Tech is a team I think that is flawed in a variety of ways. Um, you know, kid being who who he can be. Plus the Baron kid giving him what he gave them last night. Like if he's able to do that re- with consistency, especially if the nickel kid shoots it as well as he shot it. Um, I think he's 37% on the year. Um, he need, probably needs more touches, honestly. Um, 
Let's see. So far this year, Couture has played in. Let's see. Uh, I guess he's played in all the. Uh, he's playing sixteen of the he missed seventeen the last games. Game. Yeah. So he's played in sixteen. He's taken ninety-five threes. Uh, Padula's taken eighty-one. How many has like McNeely taken? All right, let me scroll back up here. So far on the season, McNeely has taken eighty-one threes. Okay, that's a that's a good number. He's thirty-eight of eighty-one. Race. He's thirty-eight to eighty-one. Hunter Couture is thirty-nine of ninety-five. Um, Padula is thirty-two of eighty-one. Um, so he's a thirty-nine and a half percent. Um, but anyway, so Georgia Tech, I think we is digress. A, yeah, sorry, <laughs> kind of a little tangent there. Um, Georgia Tech is an interesting matchup for him simply because of the length, but also like the experience piece of this. Like when I was look, kind of looking over the preview, which will uh, be on the site later today as you listen to this. Um, they don't do a whole lot of things really well. Um, like if you look at them on Kempom, like they got a couple of those that are just slightly green, you know, like they don't give up a lot of offensive rebounds on, on offense. Um, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. They're very good at offensive rebounding on offense. Yeah, they rebound the ball well. I always um, get those mixed up. I almost yeah, wrote sorry. that in the preview. I was like, they're really good yeah. at preventing offensive rebounds. It's like, no, they're good at getting that, them. They're actually getting them. That's what they're trying to say. <laughs> um but then on the, on the flip side, they don't create like any turnovers, no. which is just wild, right? And they don't shoot like, the ball very well. Like think and, about that. How many teams are good on the offensive glass and yet never and don't create many turnovers? Like you would think those two things because you would think, right, that offensive rebounding, that there is there's an athleticism piece to that, right? There's a there's there's a length and athleticism piece that you would hope would translate to creating some turnovers, whether that's you know, steals or whatever, but apparently not. Um, it's a team that, you know, they're, they're so far down the, the list and uh, steal percentage and non-steal turnover percentage. Um, and they also seem to really allow a whole lot of assist, which is kind of just not one of those things that I feel like I've seen a whole lot. Um, and they, 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 they're not an offense that gets to the free throw line very much. So, I mean, they're kind of middle, like this is the game Virginia should win. I don't think, Especially if 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 um, you know if Virginia has any sort of postseason aspirations, you know, whereas they've kind of put themselves in a spot where like last night was kind of a must win. Well, so was this one, right? I feel like you have to figure out a way to get I mean, this win. They're in must win territory. I don't. You don't have to win every single game, but like they need to win a lot of games. <laughs> like they're not. I mean, I I don't know if people have been following like bracketology, and as we were talking about this before the show, it's only January. 18th there's like a lot of basketball left to be played so don't freak out but like they're pretty far off <laughs> like they have i mean we i think last night going into the game they were like Lenardi had them like 18 spots out of the field or something like yeah. that yeah so that's like you know not the first four out next four out it's like the next 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 four out um and the thing is like i, like I was telling brad before we jumped on like uva has a lot of time to make up ground and, and just by winning games like the pure like just winning more games even if it's louisville or whatever is good um yeah and it, get, it moves you the needle in, in the right direction but you know they're gonna have to win they're gonna have to win games like this on the road they're gonna have to win a game against somebody that's got a pulse on the road and they're gonna have to kind of like i think they're just gonna have to keep winning their home games um yeah, for sure if they if they go if they end up undefeated at home this year which is I don't think it's like that impossible at this point. Like, I mean, you'd well, have to beat North get to Carolina. That in a yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get that in a second because what I was just thinking was looking at the schedule, they get Georgia Tech tomorrow, or as you listen to this tomorrow, um, then they get. I think this NC is a good stretch right here. I was going to say that's that's kind of what's building towards, right? They get NC State and Louisville and Notre Dame teams they've already already they've already played, and usually that's a good sign for you, um, especially you know if you've got some. Um, and Louisville's some, the only road game. Some there. reason, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Louisville's the only road game. That Clemson game, they got to go to um, Little John on February third. Now, right now, Clemson's thirty seventh in Ken Palm. Obviously, coming off a loss to Georgia Tech, things have kind of come on. Yeah, they've apart for them. They're 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 kind of coming back to where we thought yeah, they would be, lost, which is good, but not as good as they were. Yeah, they've lost four um, of their last five, including. They lost by 13 at Miami. They lost by 10 at home to Carolina. They lost by uh, 15 to Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, which is wild. Then they scored 89 on Boston College before losing uh, to Georgia Tech in double overtime. 
Um, so at home. Clemson, this next stretch gets Florida State, which is apparently making a run. <laughs> They're um, five and one in the ACC. What the world? All right. So then they get Duke. They go. Uh, excuse me. They get uh, Louisville and Virginia in back to back home games. So I think this stretch for UVA is really critical because one, you want to see if this new lineup can might actually work, and then two, you win the next. One, two, three, four, f- four games. That's a five-game winning streak, and that's going to help your numbers a lot. Um, so it sort of sets up well for them that it's a good stretch before they get like a real test on the road again. And then it sort of gets tougher, right? They get they get Miami at home um, the following Monday, so it's a, it's one of those rare. And, and Miami short- does not look as unbeatable as again, they do. right? Like, yeah, they, Miami's come down to earth a little bit. Who they just lose to? Florida Miami? State. They just lost to Florida State. Yeah, yeah. Florida State put it on them, eighty-four seventy-five. Um, home at in the uh, um, in the what is it the Watts Watts Watsco Center yeah Watsco yeah. Center, um, but so no so like this is and a they good lost to Louisville year. last week that's right I knew they lost um, another bad they, one they really need they really need to win like really the next four because really there's no excuse for losing to Georgia Tech NC State Louisville or Notre Dame if you have postseason aspirations at all but if you win those four and you can win that Clemson game you, you kind of put yourself back in the conversation a little bit. Um, now these things don't happen in vacuums, right? Other things have to happen for them to, for, to have to go well for them. Meaning other teams have to lose and kind of, um, separate, uh, the, the good from the bad, so to speak. But yeah, Florida state, then they get Pittsburgh at home. They get, uh, Wake Forest at home on the, on the rubber or excuse me, the return matchup with them before they go to Blacksburg. And that's when they get Carolina, Boston College, Duke, and Georgia Tech in. So, to Ferber's point, there's a lot of basketball to be played. Um, and this is kind of the stretch where you really need some green. I mean, yeah, the there's 14 games to go. I mean, and the now, thing second- is, like, and we can't just, like, I mean, NC State, we'll see. I mean, the rubber's going to meet the road soon because, like, we're going to find out, like, is UVA just, like, the best team in the country at home for whatever reason? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, NC State flattened them two weeks yeah, ago they did yeah. um and it's like it, they could easily do it again or uva may just be that much better i mean we've seen this before like um uva's look kind of crappy against the team on the road and then obliterated them at home right sometimes like, not that far apart yeah um or vice wanna... versa i mean like that remember boston college last year yes. uva beat them like pretty comfortably at home and then like went up there and lost by like 20 yeah um, i want to so. see even though dave couldn't be here he, he just texted us and he said, uh, he can't since I can't talk, I need to summon this direct man. Rody shot twenty six point two percent from three last year in the games up to um one fourteen. Okay. From the next game through yeah. the end of the year, he shot forty one point one percent. So hey, m- maybe the kid just likes the latter part of January, you know? Maybe that's just what you know he needs. He needs to get on the other side of, of the middle of the month. Um, but no, we were gonna talk about something a second ago, and I said, Hold on, let's talk about that in a minute. Now I cannot for the life of me, remember what we what that was. You were, we were, you were talking bringing... about Georgia Tech. We were talking about stuff. This is great. This is great. Uh, no, no, no. Going to throw buzzwords. No, at stop, you stop. We were talking it. about we were talking about something, and I was like, let's get to that in a minute. Um, what were we talking about before? Before I was talking about the. Oh, I was saying they could run the table at home, maybe. And then oh, okay, yes, that, thank you. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so so their home games remain in NC State, in Notre Dame, Miami of Florida. Why don't I say that? Um, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, Carolina, and Georgia Tech. Now, if you were if this was a game of spades, and I was trying to go nil, the one I'd be worried about would be Carolina, right? Um, now, right now, Kempom has that as a sixty-eight, sixty-two loss. Of the other home games, it is the only one the UVA is sort of "quote unquote" forecasted to lose. Now that being said, they're also forecasted to lose at Clemson, at Florida State, at Virginia Tech, at Boston College, and at Duke. That also happens to be all of their remaining away games, except for the yeah. Louisville game and the Georgia Tech game this weekend. So, to put that in context, like. Them running the table at home is not preposterous, but it's not going to be easy, right? Um, and, and even if they did that, they still need to win like four road games, probably. Yeah, and Carolina so, like, looks like really easily feel good. You're right, and Carolina looks easily like the best team in the league. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, yeah, Duke's coming on, but I think Carolina is the best right now. Yeah, Davis and Baycoat have, have been the kind of combo I think a lot of us thought they would be. Um, you know, I think the, um, the Ingram kid. You know, Cadeau, they both look really nice. Um, I also think that Cormac Ryan kind of gives them a little bit of um, some, like, wily veteran 
magic, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I keep forgetting that Withers is there, um, but he yeah. is. Um, so, I mean, that's a really talented team that, that, um, that Hubert's got down in Chapel Hill. Um, I'm still not exactly sure what to make of Duke. Um, Filipowski is easily having a great season. I think Kim Palm has him as one of their, his MVPs, but I mean, the Mitchell kid seems like he's super talented. Um, you know, they get Jeremy Roach back for like the ninth year. Um, the Proctor kid is back though. I don't think, um, I, I don't think he's quite ready to sort of make the jump, so to speak, as maybe we thought he might have. They got a couple young kids as always. Um, but I just don't know if they're as for real as maybe their gaudy record would say they are. 13 and 3 right now. They've won overall. eight in a row. They've won yeah. eight in a row. They lost back to back games to Arkansas and then to Georgia Tech. Um, both on the road. Uh, and then they've they've kind of just been rolling away with it, right? I mean, yeah, they haven't really played anybody good. Oh, I guess Baylor, that was a good win. Baylor um, was in there, right? 78-70, they beat that was new- Baylor on a neutral yeah. floor. Um But then they you know, they beat Syracuse at home. They they beat Notre Dame, they beat Pittsburgh. Maybe Georgia Tech, you know, like we'll see. I mean, I think like you know, they're and their reckoning still a ways off. Just looking at their schedule, they have Pitt, Louisville, Clemson, Virginia Tech. Yeah, then they have then they have Carolina, and February should be interesting. But I mean, I still think they're going to win a bunch of games just looking at their schedule. But um, you know, things don't always work out. Like you know, a few months ago, would have been like, there's no way they're going to lose to Florida State, but they very yeah. well could. <laughs> well, um, what's funny too is they get they get two bouts of um, Wake Forest in a very short amount of time between February the 12th and February the 24th, right? And Wake right now, people are like, they're out of the tournament, you know, outside looking in. And I, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on all their metrics, but like that team is pretty good. They're talented like, and they're going to get um, um, the Monsanto kid back, right? Yeah. Um, and the question is not necessarily like, will they be better? Um, Man, you talk about some dudes who would make different guys better. Like, if if UVA had Hunter Salas or yeah, Efton Reed, great. like you know they they they're a very different team, right? I I think I said after the Notre game Notre Dame game that I would one hundred percent take the um, the Burton kid in a heartbeat because yeah, he just he's just tough. He's gonna be yeah. He's such a tough little little dude, and he like. He, he he's currently only shooting 30% from three, but he feels like he makes every three I see. Um, I don't know how that's possible, but it just, you know, happens. But anyway, overall, I feel like the league is, it's like one and a whole bunch of teams. Uh, the question is like, can Duke kind of move into the upper tier? Um, as of right now, I mean, look, they're, they're 10th in Kempom for a reason, um, which is kind of funny because right now Carolina's only seventh. I just think there's a little bit of a delta between those two teams and, I'm curious of what the next few weeks will bring now that, you know, things are starting to kind of shake themselves out. And I mean, for UVA, like that's, you know, not to say they shouldn't try to do the best they can, but like <laughs> that's the top of the league shouldn't be their focus. You know, it's they got to take this one game at a time and show that they can stay above 500. You know what I mean? Like yeah. um, well, and try to get into that top. They need to be in with the NC States and the Wake Forests. And yeah, they do. That yeah. second tier Miami of I guess Clemson or whatever because right now I would kind of put them a little below that just because it's not you know again we talked about this last week but like it's not just that they've lost on the road they have not been close to winning like in any game so you know if they go to Georgia Tech and even if they lost by two I'd be like man at least like they were close right. you know another like, that would feel like an improvement me, twenty point loss is just like. At some point, I would you, you just have to write it off. You just have to be like, they're just not going to do this, <laughs> you know. Um, um, but look, I mean, they're they're continuing to try, and you know, I think like one of these games they'll kind of break through, and maybe if they can find a kind of a sustainable recipe to, for success, even if it, like I was saying before, even if it's not like, you know, a barrage of threes, uh, you know, maybe they can get a little on a little bit of a run. But right. you know that they you got to win that first one first. I think. Yep, so. got to get the one. Um, to put this in context, Carolina currently has the nation's eighth longest winning streak at uh, seven games, and Duke currently has the nation's uh, seventh longest streak at eight. So they're two of the hotter teams in the country right now, um, at least in terms of getting wins. Um, the question, I guess, is going to be, you know, 
who's gonna who's gonna be the teams to sort of knock them off of that pedestal? And can Virginia sort of elbow its way back into kind of serious contention for the postseason? It all starts this weekend in um, in Hotlanta. Um, but if we get back here, because I mean they play again next Wednesday night at home, um, and then they play the following Wednesday night at home. Um, so I mean we're going to be podcasting on Thursday nights for a while, but if we get back here next week and we're talking about two wins, you know, it's a very different conversation, right? Um, of course, let it, let watch it be. They, they went on the road and they lose at home. But right now, I mean, I feel like Virginia, what we saw from Virginia last night to kind of put a pin in this is I think a closer step towards what they could be. Um, and then I think some roles are kind of clearly, you know, more, more becoming more clear. And the question I think over the next couple of games is going to be how solidified are those roles and how, how, how can they improve now that we sort of um, get a sense of who they are and, and what they're about. You got anything else for the good to order before we wrap up, man? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, All right. We'll see you next week, Dave. <laughs> Hopefully, hope maybe we can get to next week and everybody's like not suffering from some sort of yeah. condition. You might not see me if <laughs> just because <laughs> yeah. it seems like I'm the one that's kind of waiting. The, in the law wings. of averages. Uh, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. I think it said Stitcher in there. Stitcher does not exist anymore. That's my bad. If you're so inclined to give us a rating or review, though, we'd we'd very much appreciate that. If you haven't given us a look at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. This is also football recruiting sort of junior day season, so we will have reactions from different recruits and all that kind of fun stuff, and the transfer portal is still out there. There's so many kids still going to the portal right now. It's kind of wild. Um, but, yeah, plenty plenty to read and commiserate about on CavsCorner.com. I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. Of course, I want to thank Ferber for giving graciously of his time. As always, I very much appreciate all that he does. And Dave will be uh, very glad to have you back next week. So, for Justin Furbrine, Brad Franklin, publisher at CavsCorner.com, thanks for coming out. See you soon. Hey.